Hey, what's up, Patreon subscribers? This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And I am welcoming you to a new bi-weekly feature exclusively for you. Greetings from the Bat Base. Now, what this is, is basically a podcast and I'm going to do myself every two weeks for all of you who contribute to the Black Tribbles on Patreon. Doesn't matter how much you contribute, you contribute what you feel you can stand. It, it is all greatly appreciated. Let me tell you, it goes towards making a lot of things happen here in Triple Nation. And in thanks for that, and especially for some of you who have been longtime Patreon um, subscribers to the Tribbles, I thought it was time for me to do something exclusively for you and do it on a consistent uh, on a consistent schedule. And every two weeks, that works out. So every two weeks, I'm going to sit here in my studio, in my home office studio, the Bat Base, and do a little podcast for each and every one of you. And for the first couple of weeks, what this will be, this will be my review of the CW's new TV show, Batwoman. Yes, Batwoman. A lot of people have been coming up to me because they know I'm Bat Tribble, I'm a Batman head and everything like that. So they've been asking me, what do I think about Batwoman? And I more or less give them like, you know, eh, it's okay, it's whatever, whatever, whatever. But I didn't really want to give them the real as far as my thoughts on the show until I gave it to you, my Patreon followers, because this material is exclusively yours. So here we go. Just to school you on what's going to take place, I'm going to give you a little uh, background on the development of the show, Batwoman. Then I'm going to give you a synopsis of the first two episodes because they have just just aired. Give you my review in totality of both those episodes, as it were. Then give you a little bit of a reading assignment which delves into the history of the character before I tell you exactly what else we're going to get to here on greetings from the bat base. Okay. All right. So here we go. Now the TV show Batwoman, which debuted on October 6th, which, which was a Sunday, October 6th, uh, 2019 was developed by Greg Berlanti, who was basically the godfather of all the CW shows over there, and Carolyn Dries. It's based, as you know, on the DC comic character Batwoman, who was created by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, Mark Wade, and Keith Giffen. Yes, they all had a hand in creating that character, and I'll tell you exactly how they did so in a moment. Carolyn Dries, for, for um, all of you, who may not know, is definitely someone who has made her bones in the genre television field. She was a writer and producer, not only on Smallville, but as well as on The Vampire Diaries and for um, and on Melrose Place. OK, so, you know, she's got a bona fides in this. Now, the Batwoman TV series stars Ruby Rose as Batwoman slash Kate Kane, cousin of Bruce Wayne, Batman, trying to overcome her demons and develop into Gotham City's new quote unquote bat symbol of justice all right that's your little background on the story on the on the uh television show outside of ruby rose it also stars uh rachel scarsden stars on the show megan Te megan tandy nicole kang cameras johnson elizabeth elizabeth on and Doug Ray Scott, who probably is known to to a lot of you out there from the the 
the uh, very popular movie Ever After, which I actually was a huge fan of. He was also in Mission Impossible 2, Hitman, and My Week with Marilyn. Now, here's the skinny on the premise of the show. Batman, or Bruce Wayne, is gone from Gotham City. He's been gone for three years. No one has laid eyes on the man for three years. In that time, Wayne Industries seems to have lost a little bit of its hold on Gotham, at least as we're we're led to believe. His cousin Kate comes back into the city and is tortured by the death of her sister and her mother from years ago, a death that Batman seemingly couldn't save them from. And she's upset with Batman, but she's come back to town. She got a little bit of a chip on her shoulders. All right, there you go. The pilot episode, October 6th. And it's simply called pilot because it was the pilot. That's what they do. They basically, when you write, make a pilot for a television series, even though it may be bought for the entire season, the first show is generally pilot. So the first episode is called pilot. Dick pilot. Anyway. <laughs> Reading straight from uh, Wikipedia here. This episode was directed by Marco Siga, written by... Carolyn Dries, and the synopsis. Three years after the mysterious disappearance of Batman, Mayor Michael Akins appoints Jacob Kane, who was Kate Kane's father, and his firm Crow Security to protect the city. At a gala to turn off the bat signal, the pneumatic Alice and the Wonderland gang. Sounds like something right out of Scooby-Doo. Kidnap operative, Crow's operative, Sophie Moore, played by Megan Tandy, prompting Kate's stepdaughter, Mary, to call his biological daughter, Kate. Kate returns to Gotham and after learning Alice is targeting her father, sets out to locate her cousin, billionaire Bruce Wayne. She discovers, however, that Bruce and Batman are the same person, donning his her cousin's bat suit, which was modified to fit her by Wayne Industries employee Luke Fox, son of Lucius Fox. Kate rescues Sophie and prevents Alice from carrying out a bomb threat. The next day, as the news reports on what they believe to be Batman's report, Batman's return, Kate begins to suspect that Alice is in fact her sister Beth, who was presumed dead after a horrific car crash. Episode 2, The Rabbit Hole. Again, directed by Marco Siga, written by Carolyn Dries. This one just aired this past Sunday, October 13th. Kate's growing suspicions that Beth is Alice drive a wedge between her and Jacob, who firmly believes Beth is dead. While trying to get a knife stolen from Alice tested for DNA, Kate comes under attack from a group of thugs that manage to steal it back. Kate then asks Sophie to buy her time while she meets with Alice, who refuses to directly admit she is Beth, but agrees to provide a DNA sample. Sophie tells Jacob where to find them, resulting in Alice being transported to Arkham Asylum. Alice then reveals she tasked her boyfriend, former Crow's agent Dodgson, with killing Mary, prompting Kate to save her before rescuing Alice from a bomb intended to kill her. Kate's stepmother, Catherine, who was played by Elizabeth Ennui, orders the thugs she tasked with stealing the knife to destroy it. After interrogating Dodgson, Kate finds a parcel containing a live bat and a note from Alice that impl implies she knows her identity. 
All right, that's the first two episodes of Batwoman, which airs Sunday nights on the CW. And I do have to say, from a story standpoint, I like that the show is hitting the ground running. They're not dragging out things. They're not dragging out how Kate Kane be gets into the Batman costume. I think be, if you saw her in the Arrowverse crossover last year, Elseworld, you'll know that this costume, this is not where she lands costume-wise, the costume that she's in now, which is basically a modified version of the Arrow Universe's Batman costume. But it didn't take any time for her to get in the costume. She's in the costume right there in episode one. All right. So they don't take it. They, they don't mess around with that, nor do they pussyfoot around with the oh, oh, my God, is Alice really her sister and all this type of stuff. They more or less tell you that right off the bat. I would think that it would stand every reason like spoiler, spoiler alert. I'm spoiling the episodes. I'm reviewing them. So I'm spoiling them, ladies and gentlemen. All right. But I, I'll give you like a general thought on the show before I dig too deep into spoilers. How about that? I'll do that. I guess that's the that's the right way to do these things. All right. So generally speaking, I don't mind the show. It's not bad. It's I mean, look, I famously am done with the CW shows. If you're fans of Black Tribbles, you know that I'm done with most of the CW shows. I can't even say... Yeah, and I would say I'm done with most of them. I still like Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, and have, of course, a sweet spot in my heart for Black Lightning enough that I tune in to the crossovers every year. And for the most part, haven't joined them, including last year's, which introduced Batwoman into this universe. So this show, which doesn't stray too much from formula than the, uh, from the other shows, fits right in their wheelhouse. Ruby Rose, an actress who I've seen in many other things, including um, John Wick, and she was in uh, Megalodon. Those are the two shows that I can think of really off the, off the top of my head when I saw her in. Two movies, anyway. Not a, I, you know, not a bad actress. She wasn't asked to do much in either of those um, movies. She wasn't asked to do much when she was on um, Orange Is the New Black. She was actually a regular on that on that series for I think maybe about a season or two. Um, she is definitely someone who. She fills the costume pretty well. I mean, you know, she, you know, but and she has the look for Batwoman um, and Batwoman historically from the comics is someone who pretty much wears a po poker face the whole time. So which works well with Ruby Rose because Ruby Rose pretty much has one face the whole thing the whole time. Because I haven't seen her do much in all of her other work or the other work that I've, you know, taken in. I can't say whether or not she is just playing the character, the way that the character is, or we have reached the limits of her acting. I don't want to say that because what she's doing fits the character as I know her from reading in the comic books. I'm going to say she's making, making it work. Don't get me wrong. She's not going to win an Emmy anytime soon, but she's making it making it work. And mind you, this is only two episodes plus the cameo in the Elseworlds crossover. So it's fair to say she probably doesn't have the character all the way fully on as a second skin just yet. So I'm going to give her a pass. She fits the bill. She's the person that you're who anchors this show. And maybe some would say having a poker face is um, the best way for your superhero to be to to anchor to anchor your show so that everybody else can be lively off of you. Unfortunately, everybody else is pretty much you know wrote for the most part. Um, 
except with two exceptions. Doug Ray Scott, Jake, um, who plays Jacob Kane, her father. He's cool. You know, he's 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 okay. He's serviceable. Um, he's that was it. Like I would have never recognized him from Ever After, but Ever After is over twenty years old, so that's fair to that's fair for that. But he um he he doesn't do anything for me. Not not at all. Cameras Johnson, who plays Luke Fox, cute nebbishy kind of dude, you know, not asked to do much either. Um his character is a little up and down because he basically is a Wayne employ- Wayne Industries employee who is tasked with just making sure that nobody breaks into the old Wayne Industries office complex which seems to go up like about 30 floors so you would imagine he would be somewhere on the first floor but he seems to always be up around the 30th floor but because his father is Lucius Fox he does know the secret of you know that Bruce Wayne was Batman so he's protecting those secrets as well but he doesn't appear to be the genius the um, weapons or tech genius that his father is yet I guess some of it like rubbed off on him through osmosis because he knows how to press a button every once in a while but you know he he is what it is the two other standouts in this in the show to me actually the ones that i find myself kind of engaged with uh nicole kang who plays mary hamilton who's kate's step sister jacob her father remarried and remarried Catherine Hamilton Kane, the Elizabeth Ennui character, who and, and uh, Catherine already had a daughter, Mary. Now, Mary actually seems to come off pretty. I, I like her because they, they show two sides of her. She She's shown as pretty much a bit of an airhead around the family, yet on the low, she actually has this. Um, She's taking her uh, her medical training and runs a little, I guess you would call it like a bodega hospital. But it's not even it's not even it's not it's not a bodega because she's not selling anything. But it definitely is a, a a a hospital down in down in the um the the lesser parts of Gotham City where she treats the homeless and the um. Uh, you know, those who do do not have any type of health care, those who need help and with no questions asked. And she runs this pretty much by herself. She's got a little crew, but it's basically and you you just don't think that this character has that in her. And so it, it's really cool to see her and she play and she seems to lean into it. So I, I enjoy seeing Nicole Kang. Rachel Scarsden as Beth slash Alice is asked to chew the scenery and the scenery must be delicious. It must be filet mignon because she is chewing it to death and having a ball. And I'm having a ball watching her. I, I'm enjoying her. I'm enjoying her, her, her eyes. She, her eyes are very expressive. Um, much like Ruby Rose's eyes, but, because of the character Beth or Alice, who is, you know, loosely based her scheme on like this whole Alice in Wonderland thing. It doesn't really, I don't know. I guess you can maybe see it, but they don't really like lean hard on it. Like they do in the comic books, which is fine. I don't, I, it doesn't bother me, but her eyes really, she, she is like just selling everything she's doing with her eyes. Um, which I guess is a nice counterbalance to Beth. I mean, excuse me, to Kate, especially since they are supposed to be twins. So that's kind of, that's actually is kind of cool. Um, those are the two standouts cast wise on this show to me. You know, like I said, I'm, I, the, the still waiting to make a final judgment on, Ruby Rose but those are the people that that stand out story wise like I say it's hitting the ground running um they're not pulling any punches they're not holding back on some things there's a little bit of an intro into the this mystery of 
what's going on. You you already know by the end of the second season. All right, the spoilers are coming. You already know by the end of the second episode that Alice, more or less, it may be um, Kate's sister. I think there's still a little bit of ambiguity there, but not really much. Um, there's a great scene, actually a great scene because Kate, who has this knife, has Alice's knife and wants to get this DNA tested on it, um, goes to meet with Sophie, who is working for the Crows. Sophie is, and you learn in the first episode that she and Sophie, when they were younger, I right, let's say late teens, were a bit of a couple. But Kate went off to do her thing. They were both in like the police academy um, or the Academy for the Crows, I, I believe, to become Crows, this this elite security force. And once they would they were found out that uh Kate was actually, you know, gay, Sophie more or less lied on her and said that she wasn't gay, even though they were in a cup they were in a couple, and Kate got drummed out. Went on, went off on her own. She's returning, and then she returns to find that Sophie is now, in fact, married to a man. Oh my goodness! So anyway, so there's a little bit of like you know heat friction between those two. Nevertheless, she turns to Sophie for help to find do a DNA test on this knife. Lo and behold. Next thing you know, they're being jumped by people like, hey, we know you've got the knife, which is very peculiar because the only people that know that Kate has the knife, she only told them, told her father at the breakfast table the morn, just that morning. And the only people at that table were her stepsister, Mary, her father and her stepmother, Catherine. So you wonder, how did they know that she had the knife? And you also wonder, how did they know that she was uh, where she was when she went to see Sophie and asked Sophie, can we go someplace private? Well, who's to say where they went? I don't know. But you soon learn that it is, in fact, the mother, the stepmother, Catherine, who is pulling some strings behind behind the scenes. So the mystery is starting to unravel here. And that's already in the second episode. I like that. I do. What I don't like about this show is, like I said, I'm still on the fence about Ruby Rose acting. Most of the other characters is not not doing anything for me. Some of the story elements they scream they scream of BS to me. So Batman leaves Gotham Gotham City, and Gotham City has basically gone to rot for in these three years. So. Instead of the GCPD, Gotham City's police department, you know, doing what they got to do to increase their ranks. No. Now there is a elite security team, Crow Security, that has been hired by the Hoi Polloi of Gotham to basically protect them and all of their events. That rings of like a little bit of BS to me. Just another way for there to be this super elaborate um, headquarters where the crows are. Um, that, that just that just rings hollow. That just rings totally hollow to me. I I I don't get it. I also don't get how in three years Wayne Industries is all. all already lost its foothold on the city batman may have left for whatever reason and we don't know why he left no one is they haven't revealed that yet but if anybody knows batman or bruce wayne he's not going to leave without having some contingency plan you know hold down the fort while i'm gone and certainly he wouldn't let wayne industries fall fall to rot we're not left to believe that Lucius Fox is dead. We know his son is still around. We're not left to believe that Alfred is dead. It's conceivable that Alfred left with 
Bruce Wayne wherever he went, but not that Lucius Fox would, and not that Lucius Fox would let Wayne Industries fall into peril. And we also know that this Lucius Fox has something to do with Wayne Industries because his son works there, and he talked, and his son mentions how his father kind of like got him in there with this little job. So that brings like a little bit of BS to me. I'm sorry. I also I I okay. I don't want to damn a show for doing something not doing something the way that I would do it, but I always have a little bit of a problem with shows that that play music to tell me how I feel. And this show from the almost from the beginning every scene is punctuated every scene matter of fact every scene almost is introduced with music to tell you exactly what the mood is going to be of this scene you don't have to do that just play the scene i'm not saying that some of that stuff doesn't work uh, you know here and there but sometimes just trust your acting just trust your directing and you don't need the the music is just um, an interference that may be just a personal gripe on of for me some people i'm sure can rock and roll with it and like i said this fits in the wheelhouse of the cw superhero dc shows and that's a lot of what they do so rock on um that being said at the end of the day I'm leaning on the show. I'm 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 trying to, I'm trying to dismiss some things. I'm trying to dismiss how Kate on her who rides a motorcycle throughout the town or even when she's dressed up as her, you know, prototype Batman slash Batwoman rides a motorcycle throughout the town. I'm trying I'm really trying to look past the fact that she rides the motorcycle straight down the street straight towards Wayne Industries stops almost every freaking time and then goes through some secret passages that we don't know how she gets to. But you're riding the bike straight to Wayne Industries. I mean, every single time. Come on. That that bugged me. That that really did bug me, ladies and gentlemen. I I'm sorry, it did. It 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 bugged me. That notwithstanding, there are some scenes where she is riding the motorcycle in a Batman costume that look like they were deleted scenes from the the Dark Knight. So it works. It looks good. The show is good looking. And I think the show, for the most part, has gone a long way. The show, which films in Vancouver, has gone a long way to making it seem more like a city as opposed to vacant street here, vacant street there, vacant street here, which is what I always complained about uh, Arrow about. This does feel like more of a city. There's more scenes of the skyline um, or looking down at the streets from you know, from, you know, the skyscrapers, you know, to give you a, a sense of depth and everything. It does feel a little bit more like a city. Now, that was that being said, that could also be part of, you know, you know, you throw out a little bit of your budget for your first couple of episodes to so that people can see like, oh, my God, they put money in this thing. So that could be what's happening as well. But job well done, I say. Um I'm 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 cautiously optimistic on the show. Cautiously optimistic. I'm happy, like I said, to see that the show is um is out there, is doing things. I would love for her to take over the dark and grim mantle in the Arrowverse once. Arrow comes to a close uh, with this upcoming season. I would love for Batwoman to take this, take this on. I would love for Ruby Rose to have earned her place on that mantle. And I think, you know, hopefully she will. I, I, I look for I, I look forward cautiously optimistic. Like I said, I look forward to continuing this trek with Batwoman. Uh, that being said, the word is, is that while the 
the pilot episode, it got just shy of 3 million total viewers. There seems to have been a, a bit of a dip in the second episode. Exactly all of the hardcore numbers aren't, aren't out just yet, but uh, it's not tracking um, very well numbers-wise as far as the second episode. So hopefully the show will get the opportunity to stick around at least get us one full season you know what i mean uh that would pretty cool be pretty cool i look forward to that and if nothing else this is continuing a trend as you we find now that there are more and more movies and television series with female superhero leads from Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman in the movie theaters to and with Black Widow uh, soon to follow. And then you've had Jessica Jones, which was on Netflix. You got Supergirl also on the CW. And now you've also got Batwoman. So that's that's pretty cool. And there's and there are other heroes like peppered in the on a whole bunch of these other series. And I'm not even talking about the DC superhero, super girls or whatever the animated show that they have on uh cartoon network, which I actually checked out the other day. And it was, it was cute. Yeah, it is what it was. You know, it worked. I miss wonder girl though. They don't have wonder girl. They got wonder woman. So wonder woman is kind of like playing like a wonder girl role and it's, it's whatever. But, um, anyway, it should be of note though, that, Batwoman is the first lesbian superhero to headline her own series. And that is a a benchmark and a feather in this show's cap. That should be celebrated. And I and as far as I can see, it is being celebrated by the LGBTQ community. Um Batwoman, as the character was introduced in the comic books. Which and she was introduced, I believe, back in 2005. Yeah, 2005, she was introduced in the miniseries Infinite Crisis, which was written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, Mark Wade, and Keith Geffen. Thus, why you get the um, why you get all of those creators. Uh, she was actually introduced in the uh, excuse me, in 2006 in the miniseries, weekly miniseries called 52. It was a 52 um, issues of a comic book put out every week. It was a weekly comic book series. It was a very special series and Batwoman was introduced and it basically was this character as you see on the screen. While all of them are listed as her creator, the the character would go on to have a Eisner Award nominated run in Detective Comics. Um, Eisner Award being more or less the Academy Award for the comic book field. And that run was written by Greg Rucka with art by J.H. Williams III. And it also features an introduction by Rachel Maddow of MSNBC fan fame and Rachel Maddow also is the voice of the radio show host Vesper Fairchild on the Batman TV series. So she obviously is indeed a fan. Um the 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 series that Greg Rock on J.H. Williams wrote basically uh, tells the story of Kate Kane, Batwoman's first run-in with Alice, um, and her discerning that Alice is in fact her sister, and the 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 trials that come from that. The character is a little different in the comic book in that her biological father, more or less, is her Alfred uh, slash. Lucius Fox. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it, but while she is in fact Bruce Wayne's cousin in the uh, comic book, her connection to Wayne Industries and use of Wayne Industries is 
totally different. Totally different from the TV show. The TV show connects her, you know, front and center in the Batman universe. Outside of the name Batwoman, the comic book, as she was introduced, kept her pretty much bat adjacent as much as possible. Greg Rucka had a has a beautiful way with taking this character, making it her his own. Um, she is tough. She's fierce. She is um, also still very vulnerable. The artwork by J.H. Williams is some of the most beautiful artwork that you will ever see in a comic book. If you are new to comic books, it can be a little hard to follow. I will give you I will say that it can be a little bit hard to follow if you're new to comic books. So you don't know exactly how you're supposed to read right to left, how these how the panel structure is supposed to go and how it guides your eyes. I think J.H. Williams pretty, does a good job at guiding your eyes, but it can be a little bit challenging if you're not, you know, trained for it that being said if you are you you need to go pick up batwoman elegy which was the trade that greg rucka and jh williams um put to put out with um lifted her story their story from detective comics and then batwoman would go on to be part of DC Comics New 52 launch and with that got her own comic book series called Batwoman that was written by J.H. Williams III himself and this was probably like maybe the, the first time that J.H. Williams was taking over writing a, a, um, a comic book as well as providing the artwork again gorgeous artwork challenging artwork from a reading standpoint but gorgeous you could get lost in the colors of this comic book w hayden blackman is his is his colorist and the inker on this uh on the comic and the first two trades of the of his batwoman series actually the first three are really phenomenal stuff uh, the first one is Hydrology. Second one is To Drown the World. And the third is World's Finest as Batwoman actually teams up within the book with um, Wonder Woman. Great, fantastic, fantastic artwork. This was a New York Times best-selling comic book when it came out. J.H. Williams um, very famously left the comic book after that third trade because as he was building up the character, he had built up the character to, to uh, have a very momentous and monumental um, event happen. I don't want to spoil spoil that for you. Let you read the books and discover it on your own. DC Comics, um, they were a little they were a little squeamish on exactly what he was planning, and rather than have to uh, forego what he had laid groundworks for over a good 12 to 20 issues. J.H. Williams took, put it, took his hat in hand and left the building. Um, much to the, to the shame of Batwoman. I honestly don't believe the character in the comic books has been treated the same with the same level of respect um, and regard since he left. I think the character as it was created and as he and Greg Rucka uh, fleshed out is still a phenomenal character, but I think she has more or less been left to become just another adjunct of the Batman universe. And, Again, I really think that that is a shame. The character deserves so much more. Really, this is one of the first characters to be introduced into the Batman world who I really, really, really 
enjoyed. I know a lot of people got a lot of love for uh, the Red Hood, Jason Todd coming back. Eh, he doesn't do anything for me. Um, Damien, I like Damien. He's cool. You know, they they seem to be making him work. Peter Tomasi uh, uh, worked pretty well with him. Everybody else, eh, I don't know what they're doing with him. He's actually, I shouldn't say that. It, it's good stuff is happening with him over in a Young Justice comic book. So you might want to go check that out. That's part of the Wonder Comics by Brian Michael Bendis. He's doing good things with Damien. But Batwoman, I'm telling you, you buy these four cherry trades batman elegy and which and batwoman elegy excuse me batwoman elegy and then batwoman volumes one two and three of her her trades that is some good reading ladies and gentlemen you will not be disappointed i if you are a fan of beautiful comic book writing beautiful comic book art i guarantee you won't be disappointed. And if you are, hit me up. Email me at blacktribbles at gmail.com and let me know what you think. All right. So that's my review of Batwoman, the first two episodes. I'll be back in two weeks with another review, of reviewing the next two episodes of the Batwoman CW TV series. And to let you know what's going to be coming up on this on greetings from the bat base which is going to be a bi-weekly podcast exclusively exclusively for you my patreon followers i'm going to be reviewing batwoman i will also review the crisis on infinite earth crossover which is supposed to be happening in december on the cw so i will review that as well I will also, and I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but only because it's 10 episodes. I will also be reviewing the final season of Arrow. I do not like Arrow. Haven't liked it since season one. Never liked any season. Some of them were better than others, but I still on the whole didn't like the show. However, I am not too much of a grump to not appreciate that this is a show which has run for seven years, which has given birth to virtually a universe of DC Comics television on the CW that, for the most part, all of those shows are thriving. I'm also, also not lost on me that while I may not be a fan of his acting from everything that I have read... Stephen Amell, the person who plays Arrow, is a really, really cool dude. You'll never hear me say anything bad about him personally. He seems like he is the real deal. So because of that, I'm happy for his success. I, I truly, truly am. I truly am happy for the success of the show. And I know what the show means for a lot of people and people whose opinions that I respect. So I'm happy that you all have something that you can have in, been so steadfastly engaged in over the last seven years. So because of that, I'm going to review the last season of Arrow, but I'm going to re be reviewing it from unjaded eyes. I'm going to judge it just on what it is, not come to it with any of my past feelings i'm going to leave them at the you know at the door outside on the porch everybody knows how i'm going to feel how i feel about the show i'm just going to watch this final season in appreciation for what arrow has been and i have a funny feeling that this final season is going to be like a celebration of that so i want to check it out all right so that's also going to be coming to look forward to that on greetings from the bat base and then once those shows kind of like die out every two weeks we'll come up with something to to talk about on some of our reviews we'll have a couple of um the tribbles sitting in with me i know randy is looking forward to sitting down and talking batwoman with me in crisis on infinite earths every once in a while um i'll see who else i can pull into the bat base for these little um 
podcast episodes just for you. We're going we're gonna to have a lot of fun. You know, we're going to have fun. We're going to do some superhero history. We're going to have fun. I, I, I hope that it, you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy what I'm doing. Um, because I enjoy, trust me, what you do. What you do, it helps the triples. It helps augment a lot of the costs that it that um, it takes to run the triples. Our show is, we have the Black Triples Prime. We've done over 400 shows and they're pretty much all available out there for you, which means that costs money to keep them out there. Uh, it costs money for us to do a lot of our private events, um, our live events, uh, to keep the to keep the lights on. It, it costs money for us to be members at Philly Cam. Um, it costs money for us to run, uh, build the YouTube studio that it's actually being built the bat base studio will soon be a youtube uh studio ladies and gentlemen and i'll see about maybe doing some very special video things from from the bat base just for you on patreon as well so we're going to take advantage of that um but that does take money and the money that you uh donate to black tribbles every month really goes a long way towards helping facilitate all of that and um on behalf of the Tribbles, I cannot say how appreciative we are of that. So thank you again for everything that you do. Um, all right. I think that, I think that's it. Oh, I'll give you all a little piece of piece of news that nobody else has. So please keep this under your hat just because you're Patreon followers. This and this is not going to be announced for at least six months. So I'm not giving you a bit of news that is going to come out in two weeks. This is probably not going to be announced for six months. It's not definite. It's not. It's about. It's not definite. But I can say it's about ninety percent sure that our wildly successful Respect the Women's Podcast Festival, which we had in August at Amalgam Commerce and Coffee House, will return in 2020. But we will not be returning to Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. We, in fact, will be taking the show to the world-famous World Cafe Live in the heart of Center City, Philadelphia. If you're not in Philadelphia, look up World Cafe Live. It's a place where a lot of artists go and they do live concerts. A lot of special events happen there. It's a rest. It's a restaurant. It's a bar. It's a performing space. It's a great space here in the city of brotherly love. And for the podcast festival in only its second year, to land there is a big thing. I, trust me, I'm not making this up. It is truly a big thing for us to land there. Um, I'd say it's 90% sure only because after speaking with uh, my contact at the, um, at the venue, Jeff Myers, there's still some talk about them possibly doing some some uh, construction in the performance space where the podcast festival will be taking place. That has yet to be scheduled. It won't be scheduled until December, early January. Once they get past, you know, the holiday, get through their fall season. And it's going to be like minor kind of like construction. So it's not going to go on for like a long time, but he just wants to make sure that that's not scheduled for the time when we want to do the podcast festival there. All, we are doing the podcast festival in August specifically because here in, here in Philadelphia, that is a nice little kind of like window where we can fit the podcast festival and not have to have a lot of competition for the eyes and ears of the city. But because of that, World Cafe Live also sometimes uses, takes that little bit of dead space in their schedule to do some 
housekeeping. So he wants to make sure that that's not going to be taking place this year. He doesn't believe that it is. So that's why he gave me that 90% number. But we can't say definitively whether or not that will be the case until uh, January. But it looks really great. And as you know, if you're fans of my other show, The Michelle Mission, you know that Vince and I are celebrating our 200th episode of that podcast at World Cafe Live in February of 2020. We're going to be doing a live broadcast there and having a 70s soundtrack Soul Train dance party. So it promises to be a whole lot of fun. But that all came about because, thankfully, Jeff and the people at World Cafe Live appreciate the Black Tribbles. Um, they've been fans of ours for, for a while. We've been talking about how we can get, get together to do some things. And then after watching us kind of like steal the show a little bit from the uh, pre-game to the Rottenberries album release party, which was uh, held there a few months ago, he is like in lockstep, like wants to be down with us. So he wants to get the, the festival there. He made it happen that the Michelle Mission 200th episode is going to be there. So I think that 90% is a solid number. And only you on Patreon know this. I've told the Tribbles and I've told you. I've told no other. So please, shh, keep it to yourself. Okay. Thank you. I've got to get out of here. I've got to, um, I've got other podcasts to do. <laughs> That's a crazy thing. I've got to do gutter talk in the morning. But thank you so much. Really appreciate everything that you're doing. And I'll talk to you in two weeks. Until then, signing off from the Bat Base. This is the Bat Tribble. Put some sunshine on your face. I got mine. Go get yours. Peace.